But lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day, the saints' triumphant rise in bright array. The King of glory passes on his way. Alleluia, alleluia. Amen. I've been spending some time this week leafing through old All Saints sermons. It's felt a bit like going through beloved family photo albums or precious keepsakes from years gone by, holding in my hands the corpus of sermons preached here by Barbara Brown Taylor or Harry Pritchett or Martha Stern or Geoffrey Hoare. Talk about precious cargo. All those hours of preparation and prayer. All those hours which many of you here have clocked yourselves sitting on wooden pews, no less. Listening to preachers stand in this pulpit offering their next best faithful thought. I have to say that I've enjoyed it immensely. Personally, I felt like I was breathing some pretty rarefied air with preachers and teachers you may well have taken as the norm around here. But I have to tell you, All Saints has been gifted with some remarkable clergy through the years. What a privilege it is, and not a little humbling, to be following in their footsteps. I wanted to take that trip down our parish's memory lane this particular Sunday, because as we've been raising up this weekend, from a truly spectacular soiree last night to this glorious festival of music and flowers and all of you here now and worshipping with us online, this is our 120th All Saints Day as a church. And as one of that motley crew of rectors who will one day have a portrait hanging in Eggleston, although my kids inform me that the only wall space left will be somewhere downstairs, I wanted to learn from those who have come before me in this place and listen for a word of wisdom from our past as we prepare for our future. The All Saints Day sermons preached from this pulpit down the years have had the distinctive challenge of trying to say something about our life in general as a church on a day when our concerns can often be more particular namely those whose presence we miss keenly now among the saints in light. Just these past couple of weeks, I have walked with three of our families here along that final stretch of road that leads from this world to the next. For some of us, the pain of loss is very recent and real. And here this morning, some are looking rightly for comfort in their sorrow. The griefs we carry are intimate and unique. And as the names of those we grieve are read aloud, we are each reminded that when all is said and done about the life of a church, we remain at our core, a place in one another's lives that draws us to what my predecessor Jeffrey called rather beautifully, our lover and our horizon to that which is of ultimate worth. For us to name who we are as the church in this place, 
on this day set aside for all the saints is to say that we are people for whom death, while painful, is not a power in our lives that can ever have the final word. That has been a lesson learned here time after time. During the civil rights struggle in the 1960s when visiting white South African author of Cry the Beloved Country, Alan Patton asked Morehouse President Benjamin Mays where they might be welcome to go to church on Sunday. Mays replied, I'm not sure we would be welcome in any church in Atlanta together. But if there is one, it's all saints. Patton would later say in his autobiography that coming here that Sunday gave him hope for the future. Apartheid at home, segregation here. Yet in this sacred place, a word of life was what welcomed him. Perhaps though the decisive season in the life of this church in how we have learned to confront mortality was through the height of the AIDS crisis where All Saints was one of very few churches that would host funerals for those who succumbed to the disease. Harry Pritchett remembers how to the literal death march of scores and scores of AIDS victims down those aisles, we somehow learned to affirm that short but oh so profound message written on the baptism banners of our hearts, Christ's own forever. And as Martha Stern preached here in the late 1990s, I remember in the early days of HIV when everybody was panicky about catching the virus. You said your prayers and you shared bread and wine and then you caught something all right. You caught courage from each other. You caught compassion from each other. You caught the Holy Spirit. And through the grace of God, you deepened and widened this communion of saints. Here, Faithful people have learned to see death's very real presence and power within the context of God's promises. That God will guide them to springs of the water of life, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That within the heart of God, we realize the promise of God's unending communion with us, even in the face of death. A hope that tells us, and all creation, that we belong to a God in whom life, not death, has the final word. There is, though, in that conviction about the power and presence of a loving and gracious God in our lives, the centrality of choice. As I look out on the world today, I see that same choice facing us whether to give in to a worldview that sets God's beloved at enmity with one another, or to trust ourselves to the good news of God we have come to know in Christ Jesus, that when we love our enemies, when we pray for those who persecute us, when we beat our swords into plowshares and believe in the transformative power of forgiveness and peace, then that world will know the blessing of a life-giving and liberating God. 
as Barbara Brown Taylor preached on this day nearly 40 years ago. The reality is that all of us who have been baptized are already saints. We've already been given our halos. Because all it takes to be a saint, see, is to belong to God. You have your identity, your halo, and a choice. To live like who you are or not. To act like the saint you are or not. As she goes on, citing theologian Karl Barth, the choice is akin to a prisoner who has received a pardon. He is a free man. His freedom is a reality. But until he gets up and walks through the door, he is a prisoner of his own failure to act. We have to choose God. We have to choose the way of love. We have to choose forgiveness and mercy. We have to choose a vision of the world not predicated on our power to destroy, but grounded within the love of a God whose yes to life surpasses all else. Thanks be to God that this is a church of people who do choose life. This Sunday, we affirm that choice for life here in this place by blessing your pledges of financial commitment to the mission and ministry of this church. What remarkable generosity we witness in this place. Thank you. We are also a church where hundreds of you choose the life we share in ministry together, an utterly essential stewardship of our time and talents for the sake of the gospel. This past month, I asked staff and lay leaders to put together a list of all the people who lead or volunteer in ministries here. And what resulted was a simply stunning tally of 915 names. No doubt there are some folks whose names appear more than once, but either 50 of you are exceptionally busy around here, or this really is a church that puts its time and faithfulness into practice. I'm betting on the latter. And I have to say that I have never known a parish more profoundly committed to giving of their best to the church than all of you. Most often, though, it has not been the large numbers that have mattered most in this place, but the ways by which the saints of this church have chosen life one beloved child of God at a time. Like the woman years ago, perhaps not well in her mind, who during the Passion Play one Palm Sunday as the congregation shouted, crucify him, cried out, no, 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 not my boy, don't. And sobbed into the silence that befell her. You could have quietly asked her to leave, carried on with the order of service, and pretended it hadn't happened. But you didn't. You comforted her, seeing in that one fragile life the presence of Christ. Real presence, as Martha remembers it. The veil of the temple torn in two.
Here there have been witnesses to new life, witnesses the world has needed. You are those witnesses now, and the future of your church lies open before you. Thanks be to God for all of the sorts of saints who call this place home, and for all who have gone unto glory. Alleluia, alleluia. Amen.